And away we go. This episode of Screen Geeks Radio is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free 14-day trial and one free audiobook by just going to audibletrial.com slash screengeeks. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio episode. I don't even know what number it is. I forget. This is Dave. This is Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze. Ooh, we, we, that's foreshadowing, folks. Uh, Barry could not be here this week. It's actually his birthday this weekend, so he and Jules are out doing some fun stuff, traveling the country, going on a road trip, and trying to become the next, uh, I don't know, never mind. Lame. Yeah, okay. They're having a good time. We'll all be back together in a couple of weeks. But uh, this week, you know, instead of doing a full-on episode, we're actually going to talk about what we've been watching because we, we've kind of been watching quite a bit. So uh, we're going to skip that portion for right now. In the meantime... Let's go ahead and talk about what came out in theaters this past weekend and what we watched of any of them. Uh, In mainstream release, we have got Ghost Rider, The Spirit of Vengeance, The Secret World of Arietti, and This Means War. You saw one of these, right, Ethan? I did. Did did you see the Ghost Rider goodness? You bet bet your butt I did. (laughs) Is it an improvement on the first one? I guess that's the only question (laughs) that matters. So I'll start start this with saying that I'm a big Neville Dean Taylor fan, Uh, the duo... Uh, behind this newest Ghost Rider, also the ones who were behind Crank, Crank High Voltage, and Gamer, all films I'm a big I'm a big fan of. And uh, I was hoping with this film that they could bring their kind of brand of craziness to this. They're they're you know maybe it's easy to write them off as being kind of like kind of energy drink aficionado idiots, you know. Adrenaline but I think, the, I think that their form actually goes to almost kind of avant-garde places at times, and I'm, I'm quite fond of them. Cool. And uh, I'll say that I, I think this, while I'd say it's about 85%, maybe 90 Neville Dean Taylor, not quite fully there. But for the most part, again, it's a very fun film. And it's, a, it's probably one of the strangest comic book movies ever made, probably next to Superman 3. Right on. Okay. And... Uh, uh, like just some of the digressions the movie takes, some of the the, the t- weird touches that Neville Dean Taylor have, um, just their sense of humor, how they use Nicolas Cage. There's two particular Nicolas Cage freakout moments in, in this. I'll say that I think are like all timers for him. Uh, one's an extension of the one seen in the trailer where he's like on his bike and he's going like. That's like a whole sequence and it's shot from uh, many different angles. It's quite good, and uh, another good freakout sequence he has. Uh, the action's actually quite good, I'll say. Okay. And uh, I thought it was, it's very Road Warrior inspired. I thought, especially in the climax, and Neville Dean Taylor always do very creative things with the camera. And again, I think this is a, a far. I, I, I'd say I prefer this to like every comic book movie that came out last year. Wow. And I, I think it'll be better than every comic book movie that comes out this year. So yeah, it's a recommendation for me. Wow. Okay. So, so this is one of those things where, yes, these guys are set to are, are, are predisposed to a certain type of filmmaking, and it happened to work really well in this instance. Well, I think it always works for me. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's kind of like okay. So this is going to be a bad example, but track with me. It's like when when Michael Bay was initially announced for Transformers in the scope of The Rock and Bad Boys and stuff. I'm like, this is the perfect guy to make this movie. Little note: Did we know we were going to be seeing giant you know clanging balls and Bumblebee peeing on people? But it was the same kind of idea. Is what it, 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 I got from the trailer and seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff that had been coming out beforehand. 
Like, yeah, this is perfect and again, I'm, I'm quite fond of these guys. And I, I again, there's a bit, it feels like this isn't quite 100% what they'd want, but I think it's it's enough that it's it's definitely worth seeing. In his cage, having as much fun as he was in like other films that he's been really good in, like Bad Lieutenant and stuff like that? Oh, for sure. Oh, okay. See, I'm there. <laughs> Question answered. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to see This Means War for anything. No. I, I actually feel kind of bad for like everyone involved with that movie. <laughs> really? Yeah, even like McGee, I kind of feel bad for. Wow. Okay. I, mean, I don't feel bad for Chelsea Handler because she's the worst. But all right then, fair enough. And I, you know, I was going to try to get to see the Secret World of Variety last night, and I just didn't quite make it. So I'm going this afternoon. Of course, that doesn't do us any good right now. But I've heard very good things. I talked to Barry and Julie about it, and they both loved it. Said it was better than Ponyo, but kind of in a little bit in that kind of more family friendly, not quite so scary version of Studio Ghibli, but still really solid. And it's been getting good word too. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about what's hitting home video this week. Actually, got, we've got quite a few good movies, starting off with Puss in Boots. That's one of your favorites, right? I've heard it's good. I know. I have, too. I've got Weed Season 7, which I don't know. I quit after, like, Season 3. got The Way, and uh, I, I'll let you take this next movie away with your special impersonation, sir. Oh, J. Edgar Hoover. Oh. <laughs> I love it, sir. It's just it's just such a perfect amount of Dr. Professor Swordsworth. It's outstanding. Uh, we have got Tower Heist coming out, a film we all – I finally did get around to seeing this all the way through, and uh, Mar- Martha Marcy May Marlene, I know you weren't the, as big a fan. Did you hate it outright? I forget. I, I'd say I liked it more than I disliked it, but okay. I have issues with it. That's what I remembered. I, I couldn't remember just how deep-seated those issues were. Uh, then coming from Criterion, we've got a couple movies. We've got Anatomy of a Murder and World on a Wire, continuing the Fassbender fascination, which is never a bad thing. And you said you've seen Anatomy of a Murder, right? Yeah, it's a it's a good film. What is it? Uh, it's a courtroom drama where uh, Jimmy Stewart is defending this uh, guy played by Ben Gazzara. Speaking of that, R.I.P. Uh, who is a uh, he was accused? I can't remember. Is he accused of like killing someone in self defense? Who was like trying to rape his wife? Played by uh, Lee Remick, I think. And um, it's a very long film. It's directed by Otto Preminger. And uh, it's, again, it's long, but it it has a really strong script. It's very funny at times. Again, all the performances are great. Uh, shot very well. I, I definitely recommend it. Very cool. Right on. Uh, let's see. In the last two things, this was a, 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 it's not often that we get to pull up a, a blast from your childhood, but Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd Century, the complete series is coming out. This was a fun show. Yeah, I, I remember it vaguely. I okay. remember the theme song. Well, you still see, can see it on TV sometimes if you get someone with a low enough budget for their kids' programming. It's a fun show. It's it's not, you know, the definitive Sherlock Holmes, but it's entertaining. And it's for kids, you know, whatever. And then the final release I've got for this week is a film that I saw last year at the Stars Denver Film Festival, Everyday Sunshine, the story of Fishbone. I th- Rumors are going around that they're doing a reunion tour. And if you like music, if you like punk, if you like... Ska, if you like jazz and funk and all that stuff. Love, love ska. Do you seriously or no? Are you are you messing with me? I'm joking. Okay, it can be done well if it's just. Never mind. Okay, <laughs> it's an out. It's it's a great documentary looking at a, a band that was very seminal in a lot of uh, the music movement of the '90s. Well worth checking out. So let's move on to some news. Um, 
Which is the worst of these stories, do you think, Ethan? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out which way to go with this. Refresh my memory here. Okay, we'll just start off with the Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter trailer. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be the goofy fun that I'm hoping it is, or it's going to be a colossal train wreck. Well, what I kind of liked about Wanted, and maybe this is a misguided thing to say, but I felt that film sort of didn't take itself very seriously, like it was kind of making fun exactly. of movies like that. And I, I kind of hope that's the case with this. Yeah. But we'll I, it, see. I think it almost has to be with when you're taking this kind of story on. I mean, even something like Inglorious Bastards, which I'm not saying this film's going to be on that level at all, when it takes that, that left-hand turn throughout the entire film, it's still a fun movie, and it knew when to take itself seriously and when not to do so. And I'm hoping the film can do the same thing. Between Wanted and Night Watch and all those other films, I, I think we're in good hands. Not completely sold, but I'm, still, I'm there day one for sure. Okay. What I'm not there day one for is I Am Legend 2. I... I, have you read the story, or have you, or have you just seen the film? No, I've, 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 uh, I've read it. Okay, let's let's just take apart, take aside the part where it doesn't follow the book hardly at all. Will Smith's dead. How are you doing a sequel? It's like Weekend at Bernie's too, I guess. Okay, see, I could have fun with that now. Okay, see, so you're starting to turn me around on this. So, so it's the vampires walking around with Will Smith's corpse. Yeah, yeah, and because. Uh, his boss comes or something to actually, I don't really know the plot of weekend at Bernie's two other than that. It's a, all you need is, is the it, joke. The, the why, gag do they, of, why do they reanimate him to like, I think they're going to visit their boss's house and he's dead. So they're like, Hey, we're still going to have parties. And I, I don't, it's been so long since I've seen it. I don't remember, but just if they were to make the main, one of the main characters, Will Smith's corpse, I think this movie just got promising compared to yeah, what it probably is. That'd be interesting. Yes. I, ugh, yeah, that looks, at least Akiva Goldsman is not writing it. But with is an he? idea, he's not, he, he, he has said he's not writing the sequel. Hmm, interesting. But with an idea this bad, I don't know if anything can help it anyway. I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, so we're a little light on news this week. This is probably going to be a pretty quick episode, which is okay. I have no problem with that. Uh, actually, hey, guess what? We're moving into a break right now already. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you, as I said before, by Audible.com. If you like to read books but don't always have time, you're always traveling, you don't have time at the end of the day, you're wasted, you're tired, this is not a bad way to do it. With them having apps on the iPad, iPhone, iPod Touch, Android, PC, you can listen to a book anywhere you want, in the car, on a bus ride, during a commute, at night, wherever you want to, and... Uh, it's actually really cool because these things are fully – Sometimes some of them are done as fully-fledged audio dramas. Some of them are read by the authors. There's funny ones. There's sci-fi. There's classics. There's new ones. All kinds of stuff. Now, you said you have a special recommendation for us this week, Ethan. Yes. My uh, pick is Dangerous Daddy's Double Team 4 by <laughs> Alex Anders. Now, uh, the plot reads as – the publisher's summary, that is. Tyler bursts into his new daddy's bedroom when he hears his ex-girlfriend's giggling voice. When Axel, his new daddy, pulls a gun, mistaking the invasion for a setup, it is up to the two gorgeous 19-year-olds to share a da- damaging secret that could both destroy and save their lives. And when Tyler mentions the dangerous feeling he has for Axel, his new daddy makes Tyler prove it by taking his 9-inch tool while Leah jealously watches. What the... Now, I, ha- now, I haven't... Uh, is this on Audible, seriously? 
Yeah, now I haven't read the first of the Dangerous Daddies double team series, the first three, but this this sounds phenomenal. Hang on, I have to see if I can double team. Wow. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sure, which one is it? One, which, which number was this? Four. Four. Oh, man. You know, I don't think I'm going to play the sample for this one because I'm pretty sure it's going to get us an explicit tag by itself. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's that that is an outstanding choice. That that that's a creativity and digging. Uh, mine's a little more in in tune with with the month that we are in, being February, being Black History Month. Uh, there's a book that came out on the first of this month by Baratunde Thurston called How to Be Black. Uh, it is I've, I've started reading it. It's part memoir, part of you know a man describing his life, you know, as a black man in, in America. And part of his absolutely hilarious satire, uh, he writes for The Onion amongst many other sites. He's been featured on Leo Laporte's This Week and Take and many other shows. Uh, he's going all over the place. But I actually have a sample about some of the things we can do that have been done to try to appease race relations. So I'll just play this real quick. And an equal seat at the table of American opportunity could be satisfied either through a comprehensive program of economic and political empowerment or by extending the buying season for postage stamps featuring noteworthy black Americans by a factor of four. Since the establishment of Black History Month, other groups have been similarly honored. March is shared between women and Irish Americans and May among Jews, Asian Pacific Islanders, and older Americans. Yeah, old people get one-third of a month. June has been reserved for honoring gay and lesbian pride along with Caribbean-American heritage, explaining June's better-known name as Best Parades Ever Month. Given the rapid demographic changes facing America, you would expect a Latino History Month by now, but National Hispanic Heritage Month covers September 15 to October 15. While it is a four-week period of time, it's technically not a month and forces those honoring the nation's Latinos to buy two calendars. November is National American Indian Heritage Month, in which Americans are encouraged to recognize the contribution of Native peoples to our great nation by eating turkey and enjoying the bounty of the stolen lands beneath our feet. Okay, that's enough. Uh, again, it's tongue planted firmly in, in cheek while handling some serious things, serious issues. It's well worth checking out. Uh, there are tons of other books. You've got the uh, Steve Jobs book. You've got it's really disgusting just how many books there are. So tell you what, give it a shot. Go to audibletrial.com slash screengeeks. Just pop your email address in. You get a free 15-day trial. You get one free audiobook. Pick whichever one you want. And even if you cancel, you get to keep the book no matter what. So these are usually like 20, 30 bucks to get an audiobook as it is. Outstanding deal. Uh, so yeah, check it out. You help us out a little bit. And uh, we're going to be actually doing some cool stuff with them coming up in the next few weeks. Anyhow. So I guess we should move on to our topic, which is what we've been watching. <laughs> it's really highly thought out. You know, we've been working weeks on this topic, right, Ethan? Right. Yeah. So you said you've been watching a crap load of stuff. I'm going to let you kick us off. We'll, we'll kind of trade I, it back I was kind of wanting you to go first. You want me to go first? Okay. Well, I, I'm not going to talk about all the Richard Pryor movies I've been watching, except to say that Harlem Nights proved, oh, yeah, that's what a good Eddie Murphy movie looks like. Uh, beyond that, I've been mostly revisiting older films, although I did just see a film, I, I don't know if you remember, a few episodes back, Barry watched a film called The Black Power Mixtape. I watched a film called The Soundtrack to a Revolution, 
which essentially tells the story of the civil rights movement uh, from Dr. Martin Luther King's side of things and his people and bringing in the music of the time between the behind the movement uh, sung by different people like The Roots or Mary Mary or uh, just all kinds of different groups. It's an outstanding look at the movement. Uh, it's a very honest look. And it makes me even more pissed off that the freaking help is nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. I... The the thing about this film is that it really shows the ups and the downs of the entire movement. Men, women, children, white, black, it doesn't matter. All of them shared in the joys and all of them shared in the suffering. If they were for this movement, I mean, they had a, during one of the songs, they just flash up pictures who were killed within like a, a month span or so. And it was the entire gambit, the entire spectrum, which just shows just how ludicrously stupid the plot of The Help is. Yes, there are, dec- there are good performances in the film, but I don't see how they could have possibly thought, hey, yeah, this is actually going to be a positive thing. I think, if anything, it actually cheapens the sacrifices of the of the uh, civil rights movement horrifically. And I don't know how it's getting away with it. I'm I'm shocked by it. I mean, I already felt I felt that way before, but now it, it it's inexcusable that this movie is even up for up for best picture because this the the premise is just so ludicrous. It doesn't. It's idiotic. And I know my mom loves the movie, but. Oh well, it's a crappy story. Um, I did go back and revisit the Social Network because you know it's one of these movies. You, it's one of those films where you fall in love with it, but you're like, did I really like it that much? And I think I appreciate the film and its nuances even more the second time around. Just how 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 much the film tries to play fair with everybody, and just how how much of of, of Mark Zuckerberg doesn't come off as nearly the tool as I thought he was the first time I watched the film. I don't know if you've rewatched it at all. Yeah, I, I watched it a lot actually. Okay, it, it's not. It's it's, it's a such such a watchable movie. I find it absolutely is. Yeah, yeah, and I I really think you know initially you see Zuckerberg as this guy who's just a complete jackass, but I think really he's just a kid who's kind of clueless. That's how he really comes off. He's just a human being who's just you know yeah he's got faults, but I don't think he's maliciously is trying to screw anyone over, except near the end. I don't know. Did you find that? Did you find your view on any of the characters changing as you rewatched the film? Well, it's funny because when I, I think about the film, it's interesting. I think with David Fincher, I think this this really started with Zodiac, but I think Zodiac was really the beginning of a new filmmaker. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Where I think that I I love his films before that, but they're kind of he's sort of still kind of a flashy kind of music video director in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think starting with Zodiac, I think he truly became an tourist director. Absolutely. I think I think he really developed kind of thematic interests, really, and even in specific formal interests. Where I think his films now they're about kind of they're all procedurals in a way. They're all about the ideas of information and whatnot. And I, I think he's really become one of the, truly one of the finest working American filmmakers. Absolutely. I mean, the, fa- the fact that you can make movies, he made a two and a half movie, hour long movie. That's essentially a giant police procedural in which, you know, honestly, not a lot of thrilling stuff happens. Uh, Benjamin Button, I think was, I don't know. Would, would you agree with people who'd say that, that this is him proving that he has a heart? Yeah, I guess I need to rewatch Benjamin Button though. Yeah, it's it, you know I don't think it's as good as I initially loved it, loved it, but it's still a, a solid film. And then he made a movie about the freaking creation of Facebook and made it riveting the whole way through. Part of that is his filmmaking, part of it is him casting the right people, part of it is getting the right people around you to write the script and stuff. But, I mean, I never knew that Jesse Eisenberg had this in him, and I appreciated that performance and the nuance behind it a lot more this time around. 
Yeah, it's, I, I I think he's amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, then I also re <laughs> I don't know why I just wanted to go with the jackass theme, but um, I rewatched Scott Pilgrim and I found Scott Pilgrim to kind of be a bit of a jackass. Well, yeah, he is for sure. Like even more so, like the first time you through you see it, you're just like the glitter and the glitz, and it's awesome, and you're like, well, okay, he's a, might be a little bit of a jerk, but it, it's more the reversal of how I felt with Jesse Eisenberg and Social Network. Scott Pilgrim, well, he doesn't mean to hurt anyone, but you know, he's he's just just kind of a good guy. And as I've rewatched it, I still love the film, but he's a tool. I mean, he's just he's 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 an ass. Yeah, it's interesting. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed but I it. mean, I know a lot of people like that. Yeah, I th- I'm not saying it's not realistic, and it, it, I think it flushes the character out more and makes his change near the end a, a little bit more important. Uh, but yeah, no, I still love the film, but it's just kind of funny to see. Uh, and then finally, I'll just throw this out. We've been rewatching watching uh, Burn Notice and Supernatural and several other shows. Um, oh, Deep Space Nine. How could I forget Deep Space Nine? The redheaded stepchild of Star Trek shows. Actually, no, that's probably Enterprise. But we've gotten into yeah. season four, which a lot of people say is like when it becomes magical. And it is when Captain Sisko harnesses the power of the beard and his bald head. Like literally, it's the episode he grows the beard, he becomes a badass. And the show becomes entertaining, like on a whole new level. It's hilarious. Uh, and then I revisited Yojimbo. I've been kind of, kind of on a, wanting to get back into a little bit of a Kurosawa kick. And uh, how long has it been since you've seen this, Ethan? Years. Okay. It's funny because it makes having seen this film and looking at you know the fistful of dollars the Eastwood flick makes me love Yojimbo that much more because it's an Eastwood western. The film is so concentrating on making him the bad bad man, and I'm gonna kill everyone, and you know I'm gonna I'm just gonna do what I have to no matter what. I think it kind of loses the sense of humor that Yojimbo has, which really makes me love Toshiro Mifune even more, just because he already knows he's a bad man. He's just out having fun and screwing with people. And it's just such a thoroughly entertaining... Like, who knew that a samurai movie could be this entertaining? And, of course, it's Kurosawa, so we all know it, but it still kind of never ceases to amaze me just how entertaining his films are. So, yeah. That's about it for me. What you been watching, sir? Um, okay. Uh, in my director's class, we just started our unit on Claire Denis, which makes me extremely happy, as she's one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, I'd say. Cool. Um... We started with her first film, Ch- Chocolate, which I'd never seen before, and uh, it's uh, slightly has an, a bit of an autobiographical tinge for her because it's uh, she grew up in Africa on a plantation. She's she's French, but you know hmm. how okay. it is there. And um, it's basically about a woman going back and her memories of being on this plantation and uh, this, especially this kind of man she knew who worked there, uh, played by Isaac de Bankhol, who's in a lot of Jim Jarmusch films. He played the uh, French ice cream man in Ghost Dog, and he was a lead in The Limits of Control. And he's in a lot of other films. And um, kind of the relationship she has with him and uh, and kind of the issues of racism on the farm and uh, masculinity, which is definitely a, pr- a theme in all her films. And uh, as with all our films, though, it's it's a very much a sensory experience, very lush. The visuals are incredible of Africa. And uh, the, the film's race, themes of racism, I think, are very tactfully uh, handled. And I think it's interesting, a point of view to tackle, seeing what she witnessed growing up. So it's, it's a really great film. And uh, after that, we got to uh, re- I got to rewatch my maybe my favorite film of hers, which is also one of my favorite films of all time, uh, Beau Travai, her 1999 film about um, 
also about a reflection about a man who uh, who is the lieutenant in a unit in uh, during the French Algeria War, and uh, basically it's him reflecting on uh, like kind of training his men, uh, what his role was. The title translates to "good work" from French, and uh, again, it's a very sensory experience. The the visuals are incredible. There's like just these scenes of all these shirtless army men like doing exercises through the desert, which are incredible. Uh, and I'll say it has probably one of the best endings of all time. I wouldn't hmm. dare to spoil it, but it's it's pretty amazing. And uh, there's one scene in particular though I admire this time where she uses the song uh, Safeway Cart by Neil Young during the scene just of them marching. And it's really an incredible visual. I Again, it's one of my favorite films of all time. I think that movie is just mind-blowing. Hmm. Are these films and, pretty readily available? Yeah, yeah. And okay. uh, in fact, white material by her was uh, put out on Criterion. Cool. Recently, so uh, yeah, definitely, she's one of the best filmmakers in the world, without a doubt. Right on. Uh, and uh, on a similar vein, I watched Judge Dredd for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Rob Schneider gold mine. Yeah. Oh, it's so, a, okay. <laughs> It's kind of an interesting film because, you know, of, oh, but it's funny how people sort of make fun of it throughout the movie. Like Rob Schneider does an impression of him doing it. Mm -hmm. I think even Armand DeSante does an impression of him doing it. So the film is kind of self-aware. It's interesting because it also seems like the movie sometimes is going for kind of Verhoeven-esque kind of satire. But it's too much a dumb action movie at the same time. It's way too clumsy. Yeah. Oh. But some great one-liners. Okay, yeah. It, oh, I remember seeing it and thinking, "Oh, this is going to be such a great movie." I'm like, after that movie, I was like, "I never want to read this comic book ever." And now I see the new footage. I'm like, "Okay, maybe it it looks promising." But yeah, oh, the, I don't know what could have made that movie any better, honestly. Outside of I'll like, say, the I'll comic. say that the visual effects I think are actually pretty good for the time. That's fair. That's fair. Because and uh, it's it's pretty awesome that the movie ends with a song by The Cure. It's like the most random thing ever. But <laughs> it's trying to be legit, and it's just not yeah. working. Yeah. Um, next, I for the first time ever, I watched uh, the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, the black and white flick. Yeah, by Don Siegel. Outstanding. Very very good film. Um, it's, this movie showcases what a strong director uh, Don Siegel was. Um, it's a very moody film. It feels very much like film noir, and and kind of it also reminds me a bit of Hitchcock's The Birds in that the first half is kind of it goes down in one direction, kind of this drama, and the second half it gets very genre-y. But yeah, it's it's a really well-made film. Yeah, are, are you ever surprised at seeing just how good some of these genre films are from way back when? Yeah, some don't hold up, but this this is definitely one that definitely does. Oh yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, next, I watched Lou Reed's Berlin. This was uh, now Berlin was the album that Lou Reed put out after uh, Transformer, which was a big, huge commercial hit, very accessible. And Berlin was an artistic risk by him. It was a concept album about uh, two drug addicted uh, teenage lovers, and uh, the album's quite depressing. It doesn't have that many kind of catchy songs on it, so it was a pretty big commercial failure. And even critically, it wasn't that well received at the time. But over, but in the years since, it's gained quite the following. And it's my favorite Lou Reed album. And uh, he he hasn't performed it really. But uh, in one night in two thousand six, he performed the album's entirety. And Julian Schnabel filmed it. And uh, 
he made some kind of backgrounds for it, uh, featuring his wife, I think, Emmanuel Segnier, playing the role of the woman in it. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a concert film. And I'm actually a pretty big fan of concert films. And again, mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of the music in this. So it's, it's a good watch. Right on. It's not that much to say about it, but it's, it's, yeah, again, just a good watch. And Berlin is one of my favorite albums of all time. So check that out. Very cool. Uh, next, I watched Clive Barker's Nightbreed. It has been forever since I've seen that. Yeah, it's interesting. I find with all Clive Barker films, I mean, I haven't seen all of them. I've just seen this in Hellraiser. But I find it's sort of like they're only as good as the effects team he has, or makeup team he has. Mm-hmm. Like, because this movie, it's it feels kind of very seduced by its own visuals in a way of all these monsters it creates. And they're definitely the best part of the film. And, uh, oh, and David Cronenberg, quite good as the film's villain. Yes. Mentioned. And, but it's sort of the, uh, the end of the second half of the movie weirdly turns into an action movie, which <laughs> feels kind of wrong. But like it, I said, all Clive Barker movies, the storytelling's kind of clumsy, but the creature effects are always cool enough that you kind of overlook it a bit. So overall, very fun movie. And it's weird. It was set in Calgary, Alberta. In Canada, that was I found that a very random choice. Yeah, fair. Yeah, but true. that was it was kind of cool. Um, next, I watched uh, Jane Campion's "An Angel at My Table." This is this is a, a biopic of an, a writer from New Zealand. I her name escapes me at the point, but basically, she grows up in the 1920s and 30s, kind of a strange child develops into a teenager where she they think she, she's uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia and then kind of in as an adult travels the world due to her writing and experiences many kind of the rites of passage of being a woman and whatnot and again it's I was saying with clarity it's kind of very a sensory experience um, very good film and uh, trying to think of something very articulate to say about it but definitely <laughs> check it out it's kind of it's probably Jane Campion's longest film but it's it's quite good in fact I think it was originally a mini series and it was then it was cut down to a two and a half hour film so kind of like a Fanny and Alexander type thing yeah but I I really had no problem with the narrative at all it's again it's yeah it is a very patiently paced film which is weird again considering it was condensed but yeah check it out it's very good cool and um, after that, in class, in my film history class, we watched Ghost in the Shell 2, Innocence. <laughs> I've not seen the second one. I've seen the first one. <laughs> okay, I, I, so, so, so Spill, is it good? Okay, first one, honestly, I thought was pretty boring. Mm-hmm. You'd agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I own like two series of, of anime, period. And then like, I, I really don't consider the Miyazaki Ghibli films anime so much. Yeah, I'm not a big anime fan either, and I was kind of dreading seeing this in class. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I held my head up high, and I'll say I think it's a lot better than the first one. Okay, I'll say that one thing though, just a gripe with it is that this was this film was known for mixing kind of cell animate well digital cell animation with 3D animation. All the 3D in it is horrible. Okay, now have you yeah, seen like, Appleseed at all? Appleseed? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Because they, they do a cel-shaded crossed with CG 3D as well. I was wondering how it compared between the two. Okay. Yeah, but it's very awkward because it'll be like interspersed in the middle of a sequence or something. And there's there's individual sequences where it's just that, like this parade sequence. And it looks good in that. But again, because it's a sequence. But I had a problem with it. But overall, I found the film interesting. It's, it's thematically, I think, interesting. 
again, a lot of the cell animation looks beautiful. So I, I'd say I'd actually, yeah, I'd say I liked it. Okay, it's worth checking out. Yeah. Right on. Uh, next for the first time, again, another genre movie, uh, Forbidden Planet. Nice. Which is also quite good. Um, it maintains a very strong sense of dread, which I was impressed by. Uh, again, I don't have that much to say about it, but yeah. I recommend it. Cool. It's a classic. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a classic. Uh, next, I watched Robert Bresson's Pickpocket. Um, I've seen a few Bresson films before, and the thing about them is that they're very, I guess, minimalist is the word to you to say. Okay. Often, like, uh, the plots are oddly structured. He'll use all non-actors. There, He won't use a lot of music, and maybe it can take some time to get adjusted to. But... Um, I'll say I watched, there's an intro on the Criterion by Paul Schrader, and I watched it after the film, and I'll say that the intro is mind-blowing. Okay. Like, I appreciate the film, like, even more after watching it. Like, uh, Schrader points out about the kind of the religious, the transcendental style in Bresson's films, and, like, how his films are about kind of a soul, and it's it's amazing. So, I'd actually, you remember that segment you guys used to have, the film snob? Absolutely. I'd like to kind of bring that back and do that on a few Bresson films. Okay. We can, we can absolutely talk about that. Yeah. I'm absolutely down. Cool. All right. Anything else? Are you, are yeah, you, you've so already been we're busy. done here. A few more. Okay. Um, I watched – I'm planning on writing a paper on Hong Kong action films. So I watched both Iron Monkey and John Woo's A Better Tomorrow. Okay. Iron Monkey is a very fun film. It's directed by uh, Yoon Moon Ping, of course, the guy who's behind all the flying in the air kind of fight choreography. Is that is that guy ever going to get credited beyond the man behind the Matrix films? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's a Iron Monkey is a very fun film, and uh, lots of fighting, lots of comedy, lots of cool stuff. Donnie Yen and uh, a better tomorrow, uh, John Woo. What I like about John Woo is how he mixes kind of, and I think this is something that kind of turns some people off, but at least in his Hong Kong films, is how he mixes kind of the action film with melodrama. Mm-hmm. Like, I find he can almost be sometimes like Douglas Sirk with guns. Okay. Which I like. And uh, this is another case of that. And uh, a very enjoyable film, great action, nice heightened emotions, which I liked. Uh, so, good watch. Uh, and finally, last thing I watched was uh, Joseph. Or, sorry, Josef von Sternberg's The Scarlet Empress. Now, this film is amazing. Okay. Um, von Sternberg is known also his collaborations with Marlene Dietrich. Um, he's a very kind of... He's probably one of the first directors, at least within the studio system, who had really complete obsessive control of his films. Mm-hmm. Like, he was truly an auteur in a time where it was hard to be one. And um, he's really known for his mise-en-scene, like the way he fills the frame, the art direction, the costume design. And in this movie is insane. Like there's times when it almost looks like stuff was designed by like H.R. Giger, which is crazy for a film wow. made in 1934. No kidding. And um, it also should be pointed out that he's known for – he had this weird relationship with Marlene Dietrich where he was madly in love with her, but she hated him or at least treated him like crap. So every film is has of his has all this weird like kind of sexual imagery in it. Like my roommate who'd seen the film before in a class pointed out how basically everything in the movie is a penis. Okay. Or a vagina. And it actually it's not and there's cases where people point out stuff like that and you're like, yeah, okay. 
But this is something where you can totally see it. Hmm. And the film itself, it, to me, it felt like a silent film, just with words. It even has sort of the intertitles that silent films have that give exposition. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, this, this, that movie is like, it's, again, it's mind-blowing. Okay. Very cool. So that was, that was what I watched. You've watched a lot, sir. Yeah. There's like four more movies I, I've watched that I can't talk about till we do our next episode, so <laughs> that's why I was a bit short, folks. I did think of one more news story I wanted to bring up real quick. Did you see the new trailer for Rec 3? Uh, no. It's, have you seen any of the trailers for Rec 3? No. Okay. Do you like the Rec films? I should ask you that. I only saw the first one, and it was quite good. But... Okay. Rec 3 is essentially the, a prequel to the first two films, and then it, it gets into how, where the outbreak started from. And interestingly enough, they're not going the shaky cam found footage route. Yeah. Which I kind of admire. It also worries me a little bit, but then I realize, you know, if it's a good film, it's going to be a good film regardless of the way the story is told. So it's it looks promising. It looks bloody as I'll get out. It takes place during a wedding when the zombie outbreak happens. It's out. It looks like it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. I'm hoping that um, Matt Morris up at the uh, Esquire up in Denver gets it because seeing these films on the big screen is the only way to see them just because you can't escape the craziness. So, yeah, it's on YouTube. I might even post it in the Facebook page or something like that. Um, I guess we should move on to what's hitting theaters this week. We have, yeah. We have got, you know, I don't know if this is a good week or not. Uh, we've got Act of Valor, Gone, Tyler Perry's Good Deeds, and Wanderlust. I'm kind of interested in Wanderlust. Like, maybe it won't be a theater-going experience, but I'd at least check it out. Or, or a cheap movie night experience, perhaps. Yeah. Act of Valor... Have you seen the trailers for this? I haven't, but I, I know what it is. It, Man, it doesn't look like it's going to be a great film, but it's such an interesting... I hate to call it a gimmick, but let's call it what it is. It's a gimmick. It looks interesting enough. I'm, I'm probably going to see it at some point just to see how they pull it off with actual Navy SEALs. and I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how it is. This might be one of those films where it might suck, but people are going to be like, it's it features our fighting soldiers, so we have to call it good. I'm worried it's going to be that. And Tyler Perry. Um, if you've seen one movie, you've seen them all? I haven't seen any. I'd actually like to watch at least one Tyler Perry movie. Just not a Medea flick? Actually, I think I kind of would. I mean, I've seen clips of the Medea character, honestly. Mm-hmm. Funny. Okay. Not. I don't know what kind of way it's funny. I'm not sure if it's good funny or bad funny. But funny is funny. I, I guess. Uh, now you're making me look up on Netflix. If there actually are Tyler Perry flicks on there. <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? I'm going to Galaxy Fest next week, and I don't have time to watch this stuff, but... All right. Oh, yeah, he's got quite a few. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Anyway, he's got three movies on on Watch Instantly, so okay. Oh, none of them Which are Medea movies. Why did I get married to Four Colored Girls, and I can do bad all by myself? I, I, not why did I get married one. No, no, I don't know why. Mm. Especially, I remember, well, I remember two of these getting less than favorable reviews from our own Mr. Barry Worst. It's all good. Um, we will not be doing an episode next week because I'm going to be at Galaxy Fest uh, working with their media department. I'll be interviewing some various guests and podcasting throughout the whole thing. If you keep an eye on the Facebook page, I'll put links up and stuff. Uh, I'll be talking to people like Denise Crosby from Star Trek, Dean Haglin from X-Files, uh, Claudia Christian from... I forget what she's from. Babylon 5, that's right. Chase Masterson from Deep Space Nine. Several people I'm hoping to get to talk to. Uh, it should be a good time. It's a benefit 
uh, it's a it's actually a fundraising benefit for the Colorado Literacy Foundation. Tickets are available still. It's in Colorado Springs next weekend, and uh, you can get tickets at galaxyfest.org. Um, I'd ask if you have something else to pimp. Well, do you have anything to pimp at all? Your shows, sir. Tell us about your other shows. Where can we find your other work? Um, okay. Uh, you can watch Fade to Black on cutvmontreal.com, or is it .ca? But anyway, I post it. If you're friends with me on Facebook, I post it every time we have a new episode. Or you can like Fade to Black on Facebook and get every new episode. There you go. Or you can even post links to in the Screen Geeks page if you want to. That's a lot of work. I know. I know. I'll, I'll try to do it. I'll I keep an eye on it. I'll try to post it in there. Have you watched this show? Just so I have not had a chance to watch it yet. No, I'm a slacker. Okay. I'd rather be honest than say you know. Oh yeah, it's awesome. And what I've watched like I, I know I've watched one episode, but I need to, I need to watch more than one to say hey yeah I've watched it. Okay. I liked what I saw though. It's 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 entertaining as hell. Which one did you see out of curiosity? It was it was one of the first ones you did. Okay. Do you, do you have any more? Do you specifically remember which one you can? No, I don't. I just remember like people like sneaking up behind you while you were trying to talk and screwing with you. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and I also do a radio show on CJLO sixty ninety AM, Concordia University's uh, radio station, uh, every Tuesday. From 11 to 12, I do my show Station to Station. Uh, you can listen online if you're not in the – well, I mean, if you're in the Montreal area, you can listen to uh, it on the radio. But, I mean, it's better to listen to online because it depends. You know, sometimes you can't always get a great signal. Yes. But, uh, yeah, listen to that. Uh, this week, I'm going to try – I kind of – with the show a bit, I've been – I had a bit of a different idea for it when I started it and just – Due to circumstances, I haven't been able to do kind of what I want to do with it. Mm-hmm. But starting this week, I'm gonna I'm gonna start sort of slowly but surely rebooting it in a way. Okay. Like just kind of stepping it up a notch. So I'm thinking I'm gonna make a intro and whatnot, and try and get more guests on and do more interesting things. So start listening to that, please. Very good. What and, kind of what uh, kind of show is it? We're actually doing a funding drive at CJLO. So if you want to PayPal me. Just send me an email, and I'll send it to the show, and I'll look good. Right on. Cool. And what kind of show is it? Um, well, it's a show about movies, but honestly, I, for the most part, well, it's movies and music. I talk about the new releases in both. But mostly, uh, lately, I've been just kind of just playing music, and I'll interject every once in a while. But I'm trying to uh, talk. I'm going to try. What I'm going to do with the show is to try and talk more and play a little less music. But... I do. I'm a big music buff, so I do enjoy that. Right on. Cool. Well, uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks. We were we are going to be talking about Richard Pryor movies, uh, just because due to uh, Ethan's unhealthy fascination with Superman three. And you know, and honestly, I had not watched many Richard Pryor flicks before this, and I'm, I'm I will say right now, I'm glad I have, and I can't wait for our discussion in a couple of weeks. We will be back. We're going to have a good time. If you want to shoot us an email, by all means do. Email us at podcast, Ethan, Dave, or Barry, all at screengeeks.com. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have some fun next week, uh, next couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, until then, this is Dave. This is Reginald. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Barry's gone. You know that already. Take it easy. Bye.